This is part two and the concluding episode of Hole in One or You'll Be Done, written by Aaron Robbins. If you haven't heard part one, please pause this message and listen to episode 10 entitled Story 6A Start. Vital information about the events of Walbarber High are found in that episode and may be essential for your evaluation of our services. Thank you. Thank you for calling Mr. Eerie's Disturbing Detective Agency again. We do apologize that your previous message ended unexpectedly. Please continue your message where you left off. Now, prepare yourself for the beep waits for no one. Hello, it's me again, Sarah Rushmore. I'm the one who's a sophomore at Walbarber High. You know, with Eugene and Sophia. We three are the sole members of the Mystery Mentors After School Club. None of that is important right now. What is important is that our club leader, Eugene Hunt, called an emergency meeting at Mulligan Woods behind the school. We were going to meet at 7, but I was running late. I didn't know if Sophia and Eugene had already gone into the woods. It was dark, and the evening mist was wandering through the trees. Let me tell you this. The road into the woods is creepy. It's overgrown and lined by an old chain fence. It just feels like you're not supposed to be there. Probably because you're not. The woods made me feel uneasy. Like looking under my bed after a nightmare. I was getting ready to give up on the meeting. I'd shown up, that was enough. Eugene and Sophia had already left, or were somewhere in the woods. Either way, I didn't want to find out alone. Then I saw something, something out of place. Eugene's keys... He'd positioned them on the ground like metal breadcrumbs. Was it to direct me towards them? I didn't know, so I followed the keys on the ground like Gretel looking for Hansel. Deep into the woods, the gravel road turns into a trail covered by brush and vines. Even with Eugene's keys, I worried I'd lose my way. I thought about leaving, but right as I was about to turn around, I heard voices coming from the woods. It sounded like laughing. Not kids. High schoolers. Sophia! I yelled. Eugene! My feet moved quicker, brush scraped against my legs. I should have worn pants. The voices became louder. I was sure it was Sophia and Eugene. A breath of warm air left my lungs as relief moved over me. The mist grew thick as I followed the keys into the woods. Probably why I didn't see it until it was right in front of me. A chain-link fence blocking my path. The fence was twice my height, rusty and worn. Ivy and vines climbed its base. There was no gate or way through. I looked for keys on the other side, but couldn't see any. Had I made a wrong turn? I must have. Turning back the other direction, I began to retreat toward the road. The mist was so thick I couldn't see my feet on the ground, let alone Eugene's keys. How would I find my way back? I turned back toward the fence. It too was fading into the mist. A chill ran over my body. Trying to find my way back through the mist would be impossible. I'd end up walking around in circles or worse, falling off a cliff. The fence was my only landmark. I ran back toward it, 
clutching its chains with my fingers. I heard voices. Eugene! I yelled. Sophia! With one hand dragging across the metal chains, I moved along the fence towards the voices. It's hard to say how far I walked. A hundred feet? Maybe it was more. Either way, I was relieved to finally find a gate. It was locked. Or at least it had been recently. A chain hung from the gate, and hooked onto a chain link nearby was a padlock with the key still in it. I wondered how many keys Eugene collected before he found the one that opened Mulligan Woods. I could see a faint trail on the other side, and freshly broken branches. The mystery mentors had to be just up ahead. I yelled for Sophia and Eugene, then heard voices in the distance. Definitely high schoolers, and I could almost make out what they were saying. This place is a joke, a girl said, and then laughing. Sophia! I yelled, but they didn't hear me. The gate creaked as I pushed it open. There was a hill up ahead, and I was willing to bet Eugene and Sophia were on the other side of it. And from the sound of it, they weren't impressed with whatever they'd found. The voices of my friends grew louder as I tromped through the woods. I could hear them clearly as I approached the top of the hill. What a complete letdown, one said. Hardest hole? I could make it blindfolded, said another. Waste of time if you ask me. That last voice made me pause. Then I heard it again, in my ear like a whisper. Waste of time if you ask me. I knew that voice. Even in whisper I could pick it out. It wasn't Sophia's. No, that voice was mine. All of a sudden, I didn't want to be alone in these woods. I wanted my friends. I bolted up the hill, not slowing down till I reached the crest. The mist was thinner up there, and in the distance, I saw two figures on the trail. They were standing under what looked like a sign arching over the trail. It was Sophia and Eugene. I was sure of it. Hey, guys, I yelled. Wait up! I ran down the hill, jumping past brush and overgrown vines, the mist withdrew as I approached the figures. One had long hair like Sophia. My heart began to pound, because something was off. I was five feet away, yet the figures hadn't moved or responded to me. They should be able to hear me approaching. Maybe they are lost in thought. Finally, I was upon them. I reached out. Hey, you guys. My hand touched what I thought was Sophia. But instead of skin, what I felt was smooth and hard. Moonlight broke through the mist and reflected off the figure's surface. I wasn't touching Sophia, because what I was touching wasn't human. They were, what, plastic or more likely fiberglass, statues, a teenage girl on the right and a boy on the left. Above them, on a sign made to look like huge beams of wood, it read, Drone Swig. Drone Swig? I had no idea what that meant. But then I saw the icons on either side of the words— a dragon with a golf club in one hand and a dimpled ball in the other. The sign was old and missing some letters, but I figured it out. Dragon swing, I said. Below the big words were smaller ones that read, The world's most challenging miniature golf course. You got to hand it to dragon swing, I thought. Their theming was pretty good. It made me wonder why the course was abandoned. Normally, character statues at the front of a mini golf course would be smiling, 
but seeing as Dragon Swing was being sold as a real challenge, these figures didn't look happy. They looked defeated. I looked them over once more, and that's when I noticed it. I froze in place. A chilling sense of terror washed over me. These figures, these mascots, they weren't wearing Dragon Swing shirts. No, their plastic fiberglass shirts said just one thing. Class of 2005. I wanted to scream for Eugene, but I couldn't. I felt like I was on stage and had just forgotten all my lines. Class of 2005. Is this what became of them? Was Eugene right? No, that's ridiculous. I took deep breaths and tried to settle down. It's amazing how quickly your mind begins to rationalize what it sees. According to Miss Lingott, rationalization is a defense mechanism. And mine had just kicked into gear. These must be statues from the all-night grad party from 2005. They just painted the 2005 on there to make the grads feel welcome. That had to be it. I walked past the statues under the dragon swing sign. But then, just as I was starting to feel better, I heard a scream. I turned. It was Sophia. Past the sign inside the course area, there she was, running toward me. Sarah! I ran towards her. It's Eugene, she said as she grabbed my arm and ran back towards where she came. I ran alongside her, past many golf holes that had long since been reclaimed by nature. We jumped over bits of a windmill, a saloon, and what looked like a tiki statue turned on its side and broken in half. Up ahead, I saw Eugene. In his hand was a golf putter. He hit the ball, said Sophia. I couldn't watch, so I closed my eyes. He yelled with excitement, but he missed. Somehow, he missed. He was trying to save them. He figured it out. How to set the class of 2005 free. I thought I knew what she was talking about, but I wasn't sure. But then I was. Because when I finally got to Eugene, his eyes wouldn't meet mine. They were filled with fear, but fixed in place, like marbles set in stone. He tried to talk, but no words came out. Eugene, I said. What happened? His body went cold, and his skin turned smooth. Eugene, I yelled. But it was too late. The expression of terror on his face faded. He didn't look scared anymore. He looked like the others. Defeated. I turned towards Sophia. What happened? I said. But Sophia wasn't there. She was running toward the course with Eugene's putter in her hand. Sophia! I screamed. Wait! I decided it was time to turn my defense mechanisms off. I left Eugene, or what was Eugene, and chased after her. As I ran past the walls of a crumbling castle, I saw more figures. Four more, just like the ones by the entrance sign. All of them frozen in place with a look of defeat on their face. Sophia, wait! I yelled. Finally, she stopped. Behind her was an awful-looking dragon made of fiberglass its body wrapped around a stone cave that was filled with faded gold. In its left talon, the dragon held two oversized coins. The large gold one had the number 18 on it. The silver one below it was the par for the hole and read, One. In its right talon, there was a sign that read, The hardest golf hole in all the land. Meet the challenge and free the people or fail and become part of the clan. I can save him, said Sophia. It's easy. Just look at it. This whole, it's nothing. The dragon's eyes glowed as Sophia put a ball down on the mat. I can save him. I can save them all, she said. 
I looked past Sophia at the hole. Honestly, it didn't look hard. A short level green led to a wide open hole. There weren't any water or bridge obstacles. In fact, the only things on the green were the dragon's back foot and his tail. And even those were angled in a way that would bank any shot right into the hole. Sophia pulled back the putter. Wait, I said. Don't, I can do it, she said. You can't miss. There was a soft plunk as the putter hit the ball. The shot hit hard, maybe too hard. A deep well of anxiety rose inside me as the ball rolled towards the hole. It was too fast. A second later, Sophia's ball rolled past the hole and hit the dragon's foot. The ball bounced back toward the hole. Did it have enough speed to drop in? For a second, everything went quiet. All I saw was the ball inching toward the hole, then meeting its edge. And finally, it fell in. I did it, yelled Sophia. I did it. It was easy. Hardest hole in the world. You've got to be kidding me. What a joke. Then Sophia raised up the putter and shook it at the dragon. You think that was tough? You think you're good at this? Well, I beat you, and it wasn't even hard. The dragon's eyes glowed red and the ground rumbled. Sophia stopped talking and the putter fell to the ground. She looked at me. What's happening, Sarah? She screamed. I don't know. Sarah, I'm cold. I'm very cold. Her face contorted into a terrified expression. Sophia took off running, but a second later her motion slowed like she was running through syrup. The moon reflected in her skin, and two steps later, she froze mid-step. The look of defeat set on her face. Sophia! I screamed. My mind struggled to explain what I'd just seen. Was this a bad dream? I didn't think so. There was actual blood on my legs from the hike in. A prank? If it were, it was the most elaborate and expensive joke anyone had played on three high school nobodies. My mind was out of ideas. There was no other way to explain it. I was standing in a terrible miniature golf course, guarded by a dragon that had just turned my friends into fiberglass. I didn't know if the dragon would let me leave, and it didn't matter because I wasn't about to leave without my friends. I didn't know what to do. Tears started rolling down my face. Then, I heard a voice, and my heart sank lower than I thought possible. I can save them, it said. I won't quit until I'm the best golfer in the world. It was Alex. He had the putter in his hand and was walking toward hole 18. No, Alex, don't! I leapt toward him and grabbed the putter. No! I yelled. You can't! Alex looked at the statues, but I can save them, he said. Look, it's easy. It looks easy, I said. I know, but it's not. It's not easy at all. The dragon's eyes glowed when the words left my mouth. Then I remembered Alex's words. Games are made to be challenging. That's what makes them worth playing. And then, it all made sense. He's mad, I said. The dragon, he's mad. Mad about what? Asked Alex. He's mad because nobody thinks he's worth playing. He's not the thing he was made to be. What's that? Asked Alex. The hardest mini golf hole in all the land. I picked up a golf ball and walked toward the starting pad. What are you doing? Asked Alex. Going on stage, I said. I placed the ball on the pad. What if you miss? Asked Alex. I'm not afraid of missing, I said. No, for the first time, I'm afraid of making it.
With my index finger extended, I checked the wind. My feet shuffled into place. I squinted to line up my shot. My shoulders were squared off target. This shouldn't be too hard, I said. The dragon's eyes glowed. As I pulled the putter back, I told myself, it's okay to not be good. It's okay to have a miss. The putter collided with the ball. The ball rolled towards the hole and then passed it. I'd hit it perfectly imperfect. It came to a rest in the corner by the dragon's tail. What? No fair! I exclaimed. The dragon's eyes glowed. Then little cracks streamed across its body. I swung again, this time making sure the ball clipped the tail. It bounced to the other side. Oh, no way. Cheap shot, I said. Fiberglass fell from the dragon as I missed shot after shot. Soon, he was nothing but a head in some twisted rebar. This must be the hardest hole in the world, Alex said playing along. You've made like, what's the word for nine of something? You know, like a quadruple? I looked at Alex. Nine would be a non-upple bogey. And ten, ten would be a decouple bogey. Decouple? That sounded right to me. I looked at the dragon and it looked at me. understand what it's like, I said, to be teased and told you're not good. I thought about my mom and I felt bad. It only takes one person believing in you, doesn't matter why they believe, it just matters that they do. I swung the putter and the ball rolled towards the hole. I believe you are the hardest mini golf hole in the world, I said. So challenging, in fact, this will be the last time anyone sinks a putt on you. The sound of a hollow hit filled the air as the ball landed inside the cup. The glow in the dragon's eyes went out, and the remaining pieces of fiberglass fell to the ground. A second later, a wind swept through the trees, and the course was gone. Sarah, you did it, said Alex. You were terrible, and you did it. That's what matters, I said. Not doing it when you're good, but doing it even though you're not. We walked toward the trail looking for Sophia and Eugene. How did you know where we were? I asked. Sophia, said Alex. When she called, I picked up and she just started talking. I let her go for a few minutes before telling her I wasn't you. She asked me not to tell you, so don't tell her I did, okay? I looked at Alex and nodded. No problemo. We found Eugene and Sophia sitting on a very real rock just down the trail. You're late, Eugene said. Yeah, said Sophia. You're late, and you brought your brother? Eugene turned toward Alex. Are you looking to become a junior mystery mentor? He asked. Alex looked at me. They don't remember, he whispered. They don't remember a thing. The look in Alex's eyes said he wanted to tell them everything how they'd been turned into fiberglass only to be saved by some great acting and terrible golf. I shook my head. Not now, I said. Hey, Rushmores, no whispering unless we're in a chamber of forgotten words, said Eugene. We all walked back toward the school. On the way back, Sophia asked why we'd met in the woods. We were looking for something, I said. Did we find it, asked Eugene. Yes, I said, we sure did. Eugene made Alex take a junior mentor pledge which I'm pretty sure he made up on the spot. We talked about our next meeting. Eugene had lots of mysteries that needed to be solved. None of them were about the class of 2005. 
I wondered if I should bring them up just to see what he'd say, but I didn't. On Monday, I walked the Hall of Fame, and there it was. A photo of six Wallbarber grads wearing smiles and their caps and gowns. On the frame were the words, Class of 2005. The photo was right where it belonged. And for the first time in a while, so was I. And that brings me to my question, Mr. Erie. Mystery Mentors is more than just a club. But acting, for me, is more than just a hobby. I have an opportunity to go out west, and it'd be for the whole school year. I don't want to leave my friends behind. What do you think I should do? Solve mysteries or star on the big screen? I'm being serious. You haven't seen me act. I'm going to change the world, Mr. Erie. One way or another, I'm going to help people believe. Dear Miss Sarah Rushmore, thank you for calling. It sounds like you encountered what is known as a good putt dragon. Now that you know how to deal with them, I don't mind sharing with you that the dragon named Swing was not the only one. In fact, there are 19 documented good putt dragons. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and show up at the most important times of people's lives. Bulb is scared of the dark and Sinew is scared he's not strong. We all have issues, I suppose. Dragons are like high schoolers in that way. And I hear you have an important decision to make. Or should I say you had an important decision to make? Because in reality, the choice to pursue acting is not a decision that's made today or tomorrow, nor is it a decision you could have made last week or the week before. You made the decision to pursue acting when you first fell in love with it. It's not something you are choosing to do now, it's something you are continuing to be. And being what you were made to be is something Sophia and Eugene will support you in. Well, Eugene will be in a bad mood for a few minutes, but he'll get over it. We have our eyes on the mystery mentors and are expecting great things from you all. See you on the big screen, in good standing Mr. Edward Erie, Chief Uncover Near, Mr. Erie's Disturbing Detective Agency. While that concludes another message from Mr. Erie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please consider leaving a rating or review. Your support means the world to our agents. Please don't delay. Leave a rating or review today. Thank you for listening, and as always, we wish you an undisturbing day.